Matthew 28:16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God this morning indeed, right? Good morning. Good morning. So good to be in the house of the Lord with everyone. Uh, the past couple months, we have been studying the final words of Jesus from the cross. And then last week, Easter, where we get to celebrate our risen Lord. How incredible is that? It's like the annual party for Jesus that we have together. And then there's the week after Easter, where you get me. And you wonder, what's next? And the disciples, just like the disciples, they wondered, what's next, God? What's next? Will you pray with me? Lord, we come before you this morning. Life is messy. Life can be frazzling and unknown. And whatever's on our hearts and our minds, Lord, let us surrender it to you at this moment at your feet. Lord, I pray that my words would be pleasing to your sight, that our time together would glorify you. Amen. Disciples. We hear this word often in the church. We even call ourselves disciples. And this word is so important that when Jesus in his resurrected form appeared to his disciples, he said, go and make disciples. If this is the final commissioning statement of Jesus, then it's important for us to take a look at what that means. You see, in the time of Jesus, in the Jewish culture, a Jewish boy, well, the word for disciple was called Talmud. And Talmud specifically meant student. But it was much more than how we see student today. You see, a Jewish boy, by the time he was 10 years old, would have to have the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, completely memorized. Then, if that boy was considered good enough, he would get to continue on studying the prophecies and the writings later. But he would have to show that he knew more than just recite it. He would have to show that he understood it. So a teacher, a rabbi, would say to him a scripture verse. And then they would have to recite back to him a scripture that came before and after that verse to show they understood the context in whole. Or if a rabbi were to ask them a question, they would have to respond with a question or some form of understanding to show that they had the bigger picture. So to put it in today's perspective, a teacher might ask a Talmud, a disciple, a student, this question. What is eight times two? And a good Talmud would respond, four times four, Rabbi. You see, they couldn't just say 16 because that would just be knowing that you had it memorized. They had to show that they had a bigger understanding of the context. Then the very best of the best students would get to continue on and choose to study under a specific rabbi or be chosen by a rabbi to study under and to follow. 
So they would usually leave home for a lengthy amount of time to be with this rabbi. But they wouldn't just be with the rabbi, they wanted to be like the rabbi. They would walk with them, they would follow them, they would imitate their every move, knowing that their purpose was to carry on the rabbi's cause long after their time with the rabbi. Ray Vanderlaan, an avid studier of Jewish culture, says, A disciple did not merely want to know what his master knew, but do what his master did. Supposedly the highest compliment you could give a Talmud was to say, the dust of your rabbi is all over you. This is to say you were walking so closely to your rabbi that the dust of his sandals was splashing up all over you and it was evident that you had been with your rabbi. So let's think about this when Jesus calls his disciples. He called these young men, most likely teenagers, that weren't good enough to continue in rabbinical training because where does he find them? They're out doing their family trade. And he goes to them and he says, come follow me. And they accept. And they leave home for three years walking with Jesus and following him in his dust. Then that leads us here to Matthew. They have followed Jesus. They have heard his teachings time and again. They didn't always understand them. They saw his miracles. They saw his healings. They heard him prophesy about his, his death. They saw and witnessed his horrific crucifixion. And they heard news of his resurrection, that he's no longer in the tomb. What a roller coaster ride for these disciples. No other disciple of any other rabbi could say that they have had this same experience. This is a a one-of-a-kind, only-if-you-follow-Jesus kind of experience. And here they are. And Jesus commissions them. He says, go and make disciples. He's telling his disciples they are ready. They are ready to carry on their rabbi's cause to go make disciples, to walk with people just like I walked with you, to teach them about me, do life with them, show them me. In the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman, he says, the Great Commission is not merely to go to the ends of the earth preaching the gospel, nor to baptize a lot of converts, nor to teach them the precepts of Christ, but to make disciples, to build men and women like themselves who are so constrained by the commission of Christ that not only are they following Jesus themselves, but, this is the key, led others to follow him too. The criteria upon which any church should measure its success is not how many new names are added to the role, nor how much the budget is increased, but rather how many Christians are actively winning souls and training them to win the multitudes. Wow. Leading others to follow him too. Now I want us to stop for a second. And I want you to think about someone in your life that has shown you Jesus. That has shown you what it means to follow him. Do you have someone pictured? A lot of different people come to my mind. My parents who faithfully took me to church, 
and youth group activities time and time again, even though they had busy schedules and hard workloads. They supported me in my faith walk. I had Sunday school teachers and youth leaders who invested in me and prayed for me time and time again, who walked me through my emotional years of doubts and questions and weird teenage angst and all of those things. Specifically, I even think about these neighbors I had down the street that oozed of Jesus and just came right down the road and they would let me come to their house uninvited. And they would pray with me and they would talk with me and they would laugh with me. And they would love me so well that when I had my first child, they showed up at our door, held our baby, and said, we are committing to praying for your family and your children. And they walk with me through life today. They showed me the dust of Jesus. And chances are, the people you have pictured are people that you have relationships with. They're people that did life with you that you are connected with in a beautiful way. You see, we read this scripture and sometimes we think, oh, we're supposed to like go away, away to make disciples. We're, we're supposed to invite people to church at every corner. We're supposed to talk about God every single time I'm standing in the hallway. But this is about the relationships that we start with, that we have right there. I have a friend, Linda. And let me tell you a little bit about Linda. Linda loves to ride her bike. She will get up at 3 o'clock in the morning and ride her bike before she goes to work. She loves swimming and hiking and being in the woods. She loves everything that doesn't involve sitting behind a desk in an office. But you know how she spends her weekdays? Sitting behind a desk in an office. The job fit well for her family when she took it, and here she is. She doesn't like it. But she felt God saying to her, you got to do something with these hours, not just waste them. So she said, all right. So she started leaving encouraging notes on coworkers' desks. And one day, a coworker came up to her and asked her to, would she pray with her before a surgical procedure, knowing that Linda loved the Lord. And so I was like, sure. So she calls a few folks together and, and prays over this person. They're like, this is great. We do this more often. Linda's sure so she institutes a circle time after staff meeting if anybody wants to come they can can they'll do a little prayer and she reads a little scripture and does a little devotion people know they can stop by linda's desk at any time for a comforting word or an encouragement or a prayer linda is dusty i have another group of friends who will see people struggling And they're quick to notice it and they'll invite them over to their house for dinner just to listen and to chat and to be present for them. They're dusty. I have another friend that drives her kids and the neighbor's kids to school and she'll pray with them before they go to school into the school. And she teaches them to pray. She sends my kids encouraging notes when she sees something special in them. Dusty. My friends, this is our purpose, to be so close to Jesus that our dust is evident and our dust is just going all over everyone else. And it starts with the people that we are in relationship with, the ones right there. A few years ago, I was getting ready for a weekend retreat with the high schoolers. And I was drained. I was physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually drained. 
Frankly, I just didn't even want to go on this retreat. There was a problem, though. I was leading it. So I couldn't back out. That wouldn't go over well. And I was quite grumpy, and I knew I needed to, you know, have that old saying, suck it up, buttercup. You got to do this. And I was doing my usual pre-retreat, moving the vans, church vans, to the front for us to get ready to go that Friday. And as I was walking across the parking lot, grumbling to God, I basically grumbled out, God, I need you for this weekend. I cannot do this without you. And I did not hear an audible voice, but what I heard was so crystal clear, I knew it wasn't for me, and it was definitely God. He said, this specific weekend is the only time you're going to be with these specific people at this specific time at this specific place. Love well, Michelle. Love well. And that struck me to my core. I knew it was him, and I said, all right, I got it. And that weekend, it changed my whole weekend. I cherished every moment with those folks. And it has changed my life because I think of this phrase often when I'm in different situations. I don't always get it right. But it has changed how I think when people come into my office or when I run into someone somewhere or when I'm experiencing something, I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to do that. Love well. And the chances of us always thinking this is that we don't have people. We have, you have coworkers, you have friends, you have friends with kids, you have kids, you have parents, you have spouses, you have neighbors, you have people around you too to love well, and to make disciples. And if Satan is feeding you the lies that you don't, that you're all alone, it's a lie and it's not true. And we can help connect you with some. If some of you were struggling with thinking about people that had shown you Jesus, think about how you can be the person you always needed for someone else. Some of you, this may be the very first time you're ever hearing about what it really means to be a disciple and to follow him and and about Jesus, you're at the right place. We're glad you're here. We would love to tell you more every day of the week. Just give us an email, chat on the way out. If you're online, throw something on the chat. Because it all starts just like the disciples. When you hear Jesus nudging, when you feel that nudge, come, follow me. They took a step. They took a step. And they weren't alone. They had others with them. And you're not alone either. We are the church. We do this together. Let's take another look at this Matthew 28 verse. Verse 16. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The disciples went where Jesus told them to go. A good Talmud followed their rabbi without knowing the final destination. The disciples go where Jesus tells them to go. We don't always know where God's taking us. Half the time I never know where he's taking us and taking me. But we follow. We follow. Verse 17, when they saw him, they worshipped, but some doubted. Some worshipped and some doubted. We don't have to have all the answers. 
It's okay to have questions. Jesus gave the same commission statement to the doubters that he did to the ones that worshipped. He didn't change his message. It was the same. And he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He declares his divine nature, that Jesus is Lord. And he commissions, Therefore go. Some translations say, As you go. So wherever you go, wherever you are, Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. No small task. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. He's reminding them that I am with you. So what does this mean for us? It means that we follow Jesus so closely We get to know him in his word and through other people around us. We spend time with him, growing with him. We imitate him. We do life with other people. And we don't do it alone. He is with us. The Holy Spirit goes with us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that is going to walk out this door with you today. Same spirit. It hasn't changed. God is unchanging. Same spirit, he is with us. And he calls us to be his disciple and make disciples. So let's get dusty.